0: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another open episode of Spincast. Today, we are joined by Henry, more commonly known as Red Cube. He's a community caster of all sorts. He's casted from Rocket League to Rainbow Six Siege and other, and other titles as well. Most notably, recently, he has casted Challenger League, which is the tier two professional league of Rainbow Six Siege, and CCS competitions recently. So, without further ado, Henry, Red Cube, go ahead and introduce yourself. Tell us what sparks your. Sp- passion in eSports and how that took you down the road to being a pretty good caster and all these different titles.
1: So it all started, it's quite an interesting story. It's a, one of those, it's kind of like a very default story. Like every good hero movie, it goes where you have a major drawback and then something pops up and you're like, okay, I like this. And it started when um, I used to be a really good soccer player. Like I was playing for the Chicago Fire Academy team. So that was my goal in high school, going into college. I was like, I need to get a scholarship for soccer. I then had a huge health debacle, so then I couldn't play soccer anymore. And this is a big story for a lot of esports players. They go from playing regular sports where they then can't, they get a concussion, they break a leg, they do whatever. And then they're like, my soccer career is never going to be the same again. That's kind of where I was. And it's situations like these where kind of everything that was once super relevant to me quickly became foreign. I was not playing soccer anymore. I wasn't going to school as much because of all these health issues. And then it turned into this thing where I was like, what do I want to do? And then I got into eSports. I started as a Rocket League caster. Me and my friend Mango, he's a R6 analyst now. We love the game of Rocket League. And I was a soccer player, so it kind of just felt like it fit, right? And I started casting it. I casted it for a little while and then I got into Siege and I went to my very first Siege event before I even casted or played a game of Siege because I was in Montreal for like a completely different event. I was like, yo, I really want to go to this. So I went to the Sixth Invitational, the very first one and I was like, oh my goodness, this is my game. This is what I want to be a part of and it turned into, I then made my own league. I then made new teams. I tried to get everybody involved as much as possible and it was one of those situations where a lot of people, when they look at Esports or getting into esports as talent or players, you don't know where to start. And I didn't either. So I said, you know what, screw it. I'm just going to start where I make my own thing. So I made my own league, made my own team, and just ground up. And now, after finally turning 18, because I started this when I was 16. So two years passed, finally turning 18, where I could actually cast ESL and Rainbow Six events. I immediately made the Challenger League, and it was like the grind finally paid off.
0: Yeah, hundred percent. Great backstory there. <clears throat> Unfortunate for the health things was overstock, yeah. um, but you made the best out of it. It seems like so. That's exactly. Yeah. Um, I really like all those approaches that you have, is because if you're really bringing another aspect to esports of all the behind the scenes stuff, right? You have your own team, your own leagues, your casting, right? All those extremely important aspects of esports. That without them, we wouldn't have esports. to so just be a bunch of gamers, right? So yeah, absolutely. Is more specifically so had your own team, had your own org. We were talking a little bit before. So how do you develop your own org? What um, emphasis do you place? What What's more important to you than other things? So dive into that. Let us know all of that.
1: So the one big thing is it all started when I just made my own team. I My first goal in esports was I want to be a player. And I think that's everybody's first goal. That's a very simple first goal it's not simple i think that's a bad way to put it but it's just a very basic i think is a better way to put it and i wanted to be a player and i got a bunch of my friends together and like oh let's make a team and i'm one of those people where at heart i kind of just go if i get dedicated to something it's like i want to do that for sure and it turned into this thing where We made a team name. It was called Team Zeno. And I made it, it was on Xbox at first. And we just did like MLG tournaments and everything. And I developed a Twitter. I developed all these graphic designs for an org that nobody knew of. And then it turned in this thing where I then got into casting and I kind of stepped away from the org. And then as casting kind of got slower, it was like when I was like 17 to 18, like this gap year where there wasn't really much going on. There wasn't many T3 leagues. I was like, I want to pick up the best players, again, remember this is after a year I've been casting. So I kind of have a grasp of all the really good young players. I was like, I want to pick up the best players and put them on the same team. And I did that with, it was the old regime roster in end of 2017. It was Ryan, Penguin, Clicks, Box, and um, Blake Jewel. So those were the initial five players. That then developed into something much bigger and we, at the end of it, when I finally like scrapped Zeno and went into casting, we had NJR, Iconic, Lags, J90, and um, why am I blanking on the last person? NJR, Iconic, Lags, J90, and Quantum. Those were our, our last five. And three out of those five players are in pro league now. So it's just yeah. turned into this thing where I made an org. I made an idea where I would just want to get these people's names out because a lot of Again, I'm sorry if I ramble all over the place. But oh, a big good. thing that uh, my focus was, I I see a lot of T3 orgs. And T3 orgs are always looked at as kind of just like they're a logo that you can put on your profile picture. But I wanted to do something different. I wanted to be an actual org for a T3 team. So they had their own websites. They had their own player profiles. They had special like video editions of how they approached the game. And it just turned into this thing where instead of it being a org and a fun team, it was a business. And I said, I want my impressions to be this every week. I need to grow this every week. And I got to make sure that the team is staying healthy in certain situations. And so I'd pop into the team. I'd do VOD review with them. I'd analyze with them occasionally. But it was really just, I want their names to become relevant. And Team Xeno, arguably, I don't mean to my own horn here, but it was one of the best T3 orgs because Again, we had 10 players total that were, I guess we could call it, it's golden age of Zeno. We had 10 players that we switched out. Like 50% of those players are now in pro league. 70% of those players are in challenger league. Or you could even say 80% of those players are pro league, challenger league, or content creators that are all mm-hmm. doing very, very well. And just, I think having that Zeno jump start or picking up these players that already had a good name for themselves and then putting them on an org that was aesthetically pleasing, it mm-hmm. just made everything a lot easier. But Again, I don't want to take any credit for that because it comes down to the players were grinding, the players were getting what they need to do get, like, to be in this situation. They had, a, they had a checklist, I had a checklist, we both did our checklist and we got to where we got today and it worked out very well.
0: Yeah, that's incredible. I always love to see especially emphasis on tier three because tier two yeah. and tier one, they have game support, right? In most games, there's some level of support at tier two and then usually a lot of support at tier one since that is the, you know, the elite pro scene. But at tier three, a lot of people just go missing. Um, yeah. I love to see that support. Like you said, it goes both sides, right? The players need this support so they can be at their max potential, right? So they can- Yeah, account. so they can,
1: they can stay focused. They have the publicity. Exactly. They have people looking at them. But again, I don't want to take any credit away from them because they did all the hard work. Yeah. They were dry running. They were practicing. They were scrimming. They made their personal brand on Twitter. They made their personal brand on YouTube. I was just there to give them maybe a little push in the right direction.
0: Exactly, and that's what I was getting at is having that support staff just to make sure that you're staying afloat and then, like I said, so you can reach your potential, right? And you still have yeah. to go and reach your potential yourself. No one's going to make, no one's going to do that for you. So I absolutely love to see it when everybody's meshing well like that, like you see, they become successful. 80% are content creators tier two or tier one. Yeah, That's phenomenal. There's probably not one tier one or tier three or that comes close to that. So yeah. I think we to see. A um, couple of things I do want to dive in some more is um, the casting background, right? Give us a real look at like, what goes behind the scenes in this production, right? you said you decided to go the caster right full time, right? Mm-hmm. Why did you decide to go that full route? And what do you really focus on in that casting perspective to keep growing your personal brand and your personal content?
1: So I think anyone familiar with me on Twitter knows that I just make all these wild Twitter videos. And I think that's a big part of my brand, my personality, which is I like to have fun. I like to be a personality. I'm a showman and it comes down to the fact that when I was a little kid, my grandma used to always put me in school plays and do improv classes. And my mom would always force these like crazy classes of acting onto me. And I was like, what, why am I doing this? What am I going to use this for? And it just developed my personality into something that was very extravagant, very like in your face and let's have a good time. And I think just my period of growing up with my dad, my mom, and just them being also like that formed me into a a good personality for a casting job, a host job, something like that. And it comes down to the fact that when I was making the org and I was kind of doing both things, I realized if you wanted to make a really good org in esports, you need to have an absolute boatload of money because I mean, cloud nine, a hundred thieves, I think cloud nine, it took them seven years to become profitable. A hundred thieves took them four years to become profitable. And it's like, I'm a 17 year old, 18 year old kid in this time. I don't really have time to just build my money in these types of things because I need to focus on school, I need to pay for college and everything like that. So I was like, okay, I can be a caster, I can get paid to be a caster, and that's going to be my main focus. I then have the experience of the orgs, the teams, and I can then use that in my casting. And when it comes down to the actual production of A lot of these casts, it varies quite a bit depending on the game you play. So I started with Rocket League, and Rocket League is a lot easier to cast, in my opinion, than Siege or Valorant, for example, because Rocket League has a really good spectator system. It's refined very well. You have a director mode. So I could literally, when I first started, I was solo casting Rocket League, and it was I was controlling the camera, I was controlling the stream, and I was also casting at the same time. In the game of Rainbow Six, in the game of Valorant, that's a lot harder to do, because the spectator system, it can't be as refined because the game's not as simple. You have wall baneable walls. They could rotate here, they could rotate there. You have completely different strats. The camera needs to be extremely fluid. So, when it comes to production day for a Rainbow Six game, typically you have a one hour, two hour call time before the stream even starts. And, excuse me, in those two hours, you have a process where you get a clean feed. You get a recording of a clean feed and then you get the overlays and then you get the casters in a separate call. And a clean feed is, sorry, there's a lot of information. So a
0: clean
1: clean feed is a clean screen of the game. So a live feed of the game that only the casters and the production can see. They then stream that to YouTube because YouTube is zero latency. So it's instant. And then we take that screen from YouTube and we record that and stream that to Twitch. So all of our voices align up with the YouTube feed. And then with the Twitch delay, they align up with Twitch. And there's a lot of issues that can arise from that. And there's a lot of different software you have to use in order to actually get this done. Obviously OBS and stream labs are two very big ones where you just stream the game. And those are kind of just the basics, but we also are starting to use this thing called VMix, which is, it shows you every screen that the production sees and the casters can also see it. So it's like a simulation of a studio cast, but you're at home. And I love that software. It made things 10 times simpler. But the one problem we have is the voice between us, like my co my caster and um, like me and my co-caster is slightly delayed. So you'll see in certain casts, we kind of like jump over each other because we're trying to mitigate that delay as much as possible. And that's just a process that we're working on right now is how can we get rid of this delay? How can we still see all these screens? How can we have this very fluid system, but not have this delay? And mm-hmm. every day is really just, what can we do to make this better? What can we do to fix this? There's an issue here. There's an issue there. If we do this, this and this, if we do X, Y, and Z, how will this change the stream? And day, some days you're going to walk into a stream and it's just going to be absolute hell. You walk in and as a caster, you're like, okay, I'm gonna have a good day. And then 30 minutes in, you're like, okay, I'm gonna have a bad day. Cause it's just no matter what, there's a technical problem. There's your mic's messing up. You're not getting picked up on stream. Your stream's super delayed. It's there's a lot that goes into it. And there's a lot of quick fixing on the fly that sometimes just gets overlooked when you're watching an esports broadcast. Because in the esports broadcast, you might see a snippet of this technical error and it's fixed. But on our side, we have three minutes to fix that error because of the delay. So <laughs> We're like, okay, do this, 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 this quickly. And at the same time as casters, as production, they still have to watch the game, spectate the game. We have to cast the game all at the same time as fixing these problems. I don't know if you're familiar with um, F1 racing, but there's a lot of times when the driver is driving, something goes wrong and their engineers in their ear, ear saying, Hey, you have to put your coolant down to two, put your uh, DRS up to three. And there's a bunch of the little things they have to do, but at the same time they still have to drive. They have to race. And it's very similar to Rainbow Six. It's very similar to casting in Rainbow Six because we have production in our ears when we're casting that says, hey, can you guys try this? Pause, repause, do this, go back three seconds, blah, 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 blah. And we're like, okay, okay, okay. But at the same time, I'm over there like, oh, he's able to find one. And just like that Jaeger with a huge clutch play. It's like, you have to figure out a way to balance the fixes with actually casting. And there's just, it can be a mess, but when it's right, it's very, very right.
0: Yeah, couldn't agree more. I, I've been in behind the scenes production, being the broadcaster, the spectator in a number of different games, and it is very intense. If people just overlook, yeah. it. oh, it can't be that hard. You're just streaming the game. Yeah, exactly. You yeah, no. Package everything together so there is no delay. And then if there's any issues, you have to fix them immediately, or the whole world knows.
1: Yeah, and exactly. And Twitch intense. chat isn't nice. So if you don't fix them, you're going to be getting a lot of like, rig stream, monka s, monka s, or something like that. So it's just yeah, yeah you got to be very quick on those. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And on that, some of the community just, they're not very forgiving, which hurts your brand, yeah. hurts your, your stream viewership and that kind of stuff, which obviously is like, Hey, like we're trying our best, but like something yeah. things they pop up, like we were talking before that we even started recording. It's like you wake up one day and your stream is just nowhere to be found. Not finished. working.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's just it's, not working.
0: Everything. It's in pieces. Like I woke up one morning and all of my scenes got doubled overnight. Like
1: Yeah. It's like, okay, sick. I didn't do anything. My computer is off, but all right, yeah. I guess I have to deal with this now. Okay, and definitely. Then to just to add on to your point about yeah. like how it ruins your brand a little bit, there's times when I – because I started out making my own leagues. I went from leagues, which was league and casting, and then I made the team, and then I also did team, league, and casting. There was a point where I was doing three things, and I was talking to a lot of other casters, and they're like, okay, you just got to focus. Like
0: mm-hmm.
1: you, Branching out is good, but you got to have a set focus, and that's when I then focused on casting. Mm-hmm. And when I made my league, there was a lot of times, there was a couple play days where something goes wrong, And you look back at it and that night, like after the play day, you look back at the stream and you're like, God, like that's going to hurt. That's really going to hurt. But the gist of it, my, that what I've learned from that is that hurts for like three days and then people forget. They're going to come back and they're going to be like, Hey, if you fix your mistakes, if this isn't a reoccurring problem, we're fine. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a big piece of advice for a lot of young players or young people getting into this scene is you're gonna have bad days. Simple as that. It depends how you come back from that bad day. And it's a super stereotypical thing to say, but it's true. And it's you can fall hard, but if you get back up, you're fine. The problem is if you continuously fall hard, fall hard, fall hard, and you're not addressing that mistake people are going to start looking at you and saying, can we really trust this person to fix that mistake? Because it then becomes, instead of a mistake, it's a problem. And then instead of a problem, it's a habit. And then it just gets worse and worse and worse over time. So I think the biggest piece of advice is you have a mistake, you're going to have a bad day, quickly go back to it, rewatch it, figure out what you did wrong, and then come back and address it. And if another mistake pops up, do the same exact thing.
0: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. That's what we tell our players all the time is that like embrace failure, right? Use failure as a positive starting point to grow, to improve. Yes, 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 yes. Your your performance, whether you're a player, a caster, a production personnel, you know, a businessman, it doesn't matter. You're going to fail at some point. Make that mistake into something better instead of dwelling on it, focusing on it. Because then you get into mental health and a lot of things.
1: Yes, yes. Because I mean, this. Go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, no, there's a quote I love to use by Conor McGregor, which is you never lose. You yeah. only learn or you win. Because yeah. if you lose, that's a great learning opportunity and just time for you to be like, all right, I did this wrong. How do I fix it? What do I do next? And then look at you, you're back on top again.
0: Yeah, exactly. Couldn't, couldn't say it any better myself. Um, got time for probably one last question before we do have to wrap up before we're out of time. Um, you touched at the very beginning that you had a really, really great background in traditional sports and soccer, right? for yeah. the Academy of Chicago Fire. Um, speak to some of the parallels and some differences between that very competitive traditional sport in soccer, right? And the very competitive scene in esports that you've been yeah. you know, uniquely exposed to both. So speak to some, you know, some similarities that you really see and then some differences of the two as well.
1: I think for simula- similarities, the foundation of both sports is almost identical. You have... Team A versus Team B, and you try to get a certain objective. And that's in soccer, that's in uh, football for EU fans. And uh, it's also in esports. You have a set objective, you have a team. But the problem is there's a huge disconnect between the audience of viewers from traditional sports and esports because, again, it's one of those things where a lot of people, when I tell them, oh, yeah, I'm a caster for esports, they say, oh, you watch video games? And it's like, yeah, I, I watch video games. But it's not that because Every day you go into a soccer facility, you're going to practice. You do your toe touches, you do your juggling exercises, you do your free kicks, you do whatever. And it's the same thing for eSports. You walk into a Rainbow Six lobby, you get your friends together, you all hop into a team speaker, a Discord, and it's, all right, we're going to dry run this map, we're going to redo our strats on this map, and then we scrim, scrim, scrim. And every single day, it's the same thing, similar to how soccer is. Soccer, actually, I feel is a little bit less of a tedious task. And I was playing at a high level where I feel like I can kind of say that because every day for soccer it was I'd walk in and we would kind of do like different things it'd be um, maybe we'd have a fun day maybe we'd have a conditioning day and physically it's a lot harder, but mentally the game of esports is unforgiving. You walk into a scrim lobby and you have a bad day, you're going to have to bounce back as quick as possible. In soccer, you have a game like once a week, every Sunday, every Saturday, and you have time to take a mental break, get your head back into the game. But with eSports, it's completely different. You have scrims, you have league games, and you have all these other things. But a lot of people, when they get into it, they'll do scrims, they'll do all these things, then they get into a little bit of a rut. And then you have to go back and do it again and again and again. And sometimes that rut becomes more of a divot and then a ravine, and then you're really stuck. And it's just, it's tough in situations like that. But I really think when you look at traditional sports and you look at esports, there are so many things that are the same. The only thing different is how you perceive them. Mm-hmm. Because you have the general public which will perceive perceive esports in a light that is kind of like oh this is lazy this isn't something that is going to be anything but then when you really dig into it if you just take a moment and say hey I want to look into this let me just look at some articles about esports you'll quickly realize it's just traditional sports on a different stage i mean league of legends the last the very i think the the previous like the finals like the Invitational Finals, I don't know exactly what it's called for League of Legends, but it had more viewers than the Super Bowl. And if that doesn't speak volumes to how esports is growing and how it's aligning up with traditional sports, I don't know what does. I really think give it five years and we're going to have Rainbow Six on ESPN. I mean, we're already starting to see it. There's a lot of highlights for Rainbow Six, for um, Rocket League, and all these other games on ESPN. And I think as time goes on and more people become – accustomed to this new age of sports that's just going to grow even more because they are so very similar the only difference is, is how you kind of perceive what happens in the entire spectrum of it all
0: exactly yeah like speaking to that future look i can't wait for the point where we have these rivalries like duke unc or the boston yeah right like, yes real madrid yes Barcelona, Right. those are already developing but once we have that mainstream media focus then it's just gonna to go to a whole new level and then everyone's gonna hop on the board. They're gonna cheer for their local team or cheer for the team that they grew up watching or wanting to play yeah. for. And it's gonna be incredible because then the whole world can really come together. And that's the great thing about esports is that I think it's more in- connected too, right? You can hop yes. on and play that game really yes. easily, right? It's hard to go find 21 other people to go play a whole game of soccer and a whole pitch. Yeah, exactly. But you can hop on with a couple friends and get a Rocket League game in just like in five minutes. So exactly. I absolutely love to see that. Unfortunately, we are out of time. Wish we could talk more on this. Hopefully next time we can talk some more, more in depth because there's a lot of great points. I think we have a lot of common themes and viewpoints that really align well. But before we end, Red Cube, go ahead, tell me where you can, where the, tell the listeners and the watchers where we can find you um, if we want to ask you any questions or catch up to date on your content.
1: All right. Yeah. So if you guys ever want to ask me questions, I am a little bit rough at responding to my DMS, but I will respond to you. So you can follow me on Twitter, which is probably the best means of contact, which is at red cube casts. So R E D C U B E C A S T S. So red cube cast is my Twitter. That is probably the best place to contact me. You can also then see on my Twitter, like my discord and all these other things I occasionally stream as well on red cube, everything. And most of that is just kind of VOD reviews and like maybe fun games I'm doing the viewers, but, um, Seriously, if you have any questions, if you want to just like get in touch or have any need for advice or anything at all, be sure to shoot me a DM and I will be more than happy to help.
0: Yeah, I think that's one of the most fantastic things about esports in general is that the, the pioneers, the people that really want to see the scene improves that we all want to just sit down and talk about esports. Exactly, yeah. we can do help yeah. each other grow, grow the industry because at that point when esports is the world's competition, I'll be the happiest man in the world.
1: For sure. No, for sure. For sure. And that's why the, that's why esports events are so good. Cause you have so many people who have the same interest and you can be just sit down. Cause I remember there was a time at Raleigh where I sat down with a bunch of my friends that I never met before, but I finally got to meet them. We sat down in the hotel lobby for about three hours and just talked. And yeah. it's like one of the, it's like those moments are just like, looking back is like, this is what it's all about. You know, this that's is right. a great human interaction that is about something that a lot of people 10 years ago didn't even think was going to be a thing.
0: Exactly. And that's just the best part of as you said, this interconnected interconnectivity of everybody, right? When you finally meet in person, you sit down you just talk for ages, right? It's the same thing you do at home when people are hundreds of miles apart on discord while you're playing a game that you love, you're just sitting there enjoying yourself, right? Yeah,
1: exactly. Having a good time.
0: Yep. Once again, though, we are out of time. Thank you so much for joining us today. Everyone out there, reach out. If you ever need, have a question. Like I said, Ray cube I'm sure, like, might be a little slow because Twitter DMs are, yeah. you know, a, a whole new mystery to most people. Yeah. Um, but thanks again to everybody out there. Stay healthy and stay happy in these unprecedented times with the COVID-19 pandemic. And ultimately, stay plugged in.